and welcome to episode 57 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And this week, we will be beginning our recap of season three of Avatar The Last Airbender, starting with episodes 301, The Awakening, and 302, The Headband, aka the Footless episode. <laughs> we made it to season three. Oh my yes. God, it's crazy. Before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, The Rise of Kiyoshi, The Shadow of Kiyoshi, Guitar and the Pirate Silver, and Suki alone. However, you are free from spoilers from any other Avatar Universe media. Before we start, Kayla, how are we doing this week? That just spoiler display, we're just getting longer and longer. <laughs> I I encourage <laughs> listeners to get used to it because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get it's only gonna get longer from here. Exactly. Gonna, we'll find a we'll find a way to to shorten it. We'll find we'll but, find a way to yeah. make it prettier and more concise, get our point across. Yeah. But I am doing pretty well. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, it is the beginning of October. We are, we yes. are full, spooky season is in full swing. I mean, it's always been at least in September first, but just to reinforce it. It is Halloween time. This whole month Absolutely. is Halloween. <laughs> this whole month is Halloween. Christmas uh, for the gays. There you go. Exactly. Especially with Elvira coming out recently. Like Halloween belongs to the gays. It's second Pride Month, y'all. Oh, I'm Absolutely. so excited. My local uh, my local gay bar does uh, the Sanderson Sisters every year around Halloween. So that's mm-hmm. always fun to watch. It's the same show every year, but it's always so awesome to see all the creative Halloween costumes because let's face it, no one does the ha- Halloween like the gays. And there's always a unique there's always some unique costumes. Uh, one person went as the ball pit last year. <laughs> Not last year. Nice. Last time there was a Halloween where everyone can get together. So mm-hmm. I am very intrigued to see what people dress up as this year. Um, but I'm doing yeah. pretty well. Um, the first half of the semester is winding down and it's just everything's due now at midterm. So I'm just like trying my best to re- maintain my grip on my sanity. And other than that, I'm uh-huh. great. <laughs> awesome. awesome. How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. As I, as you were talking about the the Samson sisters, I was thinking like how cool it would be if we um posted on our socials like recommendations for like Halloween movies to check out. Like our top our like the Avatar Hour hosts top five favorite Halloween movies or something like that. I love I don't that. Know. That's awesome. That could be cool. I mean, I've been trying to get myself into more like Halloween movies that I haven't like seen yet. So like I just watched like Edward Scissorhands, which trying to do some people debates a Christmas movie, but it's it's in the spooky realm, okay? It's in yeah. kind of the spooky realm of there. Uh, I'd say so, yeah. And also, like, I Corpse Bride's next on the list for Tim Burton movies. Uh, I haven't watched Corpse Bride yet, but I think it's celebrating its 15th anniversary this year. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, just what else have I watched recently? I watched Crimson Peak, the, one of the Guillermo del Toro movies. It's on Netflix. Tom Hiddleston's in it. Uh, was that any good? It was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean... I think the, I mean, it's always, as always, like the monsters in Guillermo del Toro's movies are always super cool because it's like pretty much all practical. Uh, mm-hmm. These are actual people in the under all that makeup, which is just super cool to see. I liked, I liked his most recent. I don't know if it's his most recent. But Shape of Water. No, not Shape of Water. That's the most recent one. <laughs> no, his adaptation of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, okay. That's a great. I, it was a surprisingly good movie. I thought it was not going to be good, but it was actually really good, and it's great for for spooky season. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I always avoided even looking at the cover of that book growing up because it kind of freaked me out. Oh, I was the exact opposite. I would I just the, like. I, I, I would I would check it. it out at any it was such a high highly demanded book in our school library that if I saw it on the shelves I would check it out because I, I always I loved those books I I am a scaredy cat so that's why I can't really watch horror movies because I just have a very mm. overactive imagination bad enough anxiety as it is so I just watch if I'm gonna watch like something that's like horror it's gotta either be like campy 
or a musical. Mm-hmm. Or uh, there are some exceptions to it, including Guillermo del Toro stuff. So maybe I'll watch Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like Crimson Peak wasn't really that scary. There's It's more like kind of more thriller-esque. It's like a gothic romance. Not only romantic, but, you know, it's gothic and it's very like... I don't know, it's definitely a lot more thriller and there's like a mystery to it. So I like mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more on the thriller side of things if I have to, you know, dip my toe into that field. But yeah, that's, I'm very, awesome. I'm very specific about my parameters for spooky movies. I love Halloween, but that's I get fair. scared way too easy. <laughs> I should definitely put the the link to the, the Ghouls, Gays and Days Spotify playlist in our episode description. Absolutely. Now that it's, it's fully spooky season and no one can, no one can, can judge say us. wait till October at this point. It's fucking October, <laughs> y'all. Yeah, we should put it in the episode description. Don't be a thief of joy in these times, okay? Like, <laughs> and November first, you better believe I'm going into full Christmas mode. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love Thanksgiving, but you know what? I'm not waiting. Oh, Thanksgiving sucks. I mean, I like the food, <laughs> but I don't really like much else about it. I mean, I guess it's nice seeing family sometimes. Uh, <laughs> when you're not a child of divorce, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're both children of divorce, so we, 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 yeah. we get that. Oh, yeah. God. Being uh, very vulnerable and open on the pod this morning. Oh, it's fine. I mean, I talked about being on antidepressants a few weeks ago, so we are good. It's fine. Love that. Love that. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well... Before we move on to our recap today, we wanted to let you all know about our Patreon. So if you pledge to our exclusive Patreon, which you can do for as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month, you can get some cool benefits like seeing our show notes, you get early access to our episodes with no ads, and you can also see our videos that we record on Zoom so you can see me mess up repeatedly. It's very fun, I'm sure, worth the five bucks a month. And you it's also- like the Avatar Hour director's cut. Our <laughs> exactly. <episode> recording. Exactly. <laughs> and you also get access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, which is like a bite-sized episode of the show where we can talk about all these different, more focused topics. Um, our most recent one was, oh, wait. Well, we have, you've all seen it now or listened to it now. It's the Shadow Kiyoshi re- uh, deeper dive. But before that, we talked more about the recent casting of the live action Avatar Netflix series. And one of my favorite episodes is our av- reacting to Avatar TikTok. We, we should do that again sometime. React to Avatar TikTok because I've found some yeah, new I ones we that we should react to. Yeah. So if you'd like to check out our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast to come join our Patreon family. Cool. And one last thing before we go into this recap. So we intended to do actually a whole episode on um, this, but, you know, it's very quick and um, we want to I don't think we have too many thoughts about it, but um, for the sake of chronology, because we're all about that when we when it's convenient for us, um, we wanted to talk about the lost episode escape from the spirit world so this is an avatar online game um and it is canon and it's meant to explain the events between the end of book two earth and the start of book three fire so back in the day when you could go on nick.com and play those online games this was one of them and it's actually it's on youtube um the whole thing's on youtube without like the game elements it just gives you like the story part of it the cutscenes. <laughs> The cutscenes, exactly. Um, and it kind of, the whole premise of it is like Aang sort of waking up in the spirit world and Yue appears to him and tells him that he needs to reconnect with his past lives to make sure his avatar spirit isn't damaged. So he goes to Roku, Kiyoshi, Kurik, and Yang Chen and we get just little bite-sized little backstories on them. Not backstories, but like things that happen during their time. 
Um, for Roku, it was when he went, he tried to go into the Avatar state in the Fire Temple and ended up, ended up blowing it up. Um, for Kiyoshi, it was how the Dai Li came about and how she trained them. Um, uh, for uh, Kurik, it was about meeting his wife, um, who eventually got lost to Ko. And for Yang Chen, we didn't really get uh, anything about Ying Chen's life. She was just kind of there as like a checkpoint to tell Aang that, you know, Avatar Spirit is okay, but um, you need to heal. Your, you, your body needs you need a lot to heal. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your ability to go in the Avatar State is damaged. Um, and that's and that's pretty much it. And they they conveniently say at the end of it that he won't remember any of this when he wakes up. So there's no <laughs> there's no uh, canon conflict there. Um, but I'm curious, any thoughts about this, Kayla, when you were watching it? So I was like, oh, so that's where we find out where the Dai Li comes from. That's where we find out, you know, Kirk's wife's name and like what happened to her, like a little bit more about that. So like, cause like I had heard that Kyoshi had like, you know, been involved with the, Dai, you know, cre the creation of the Dai Li. But I had like, I was like, where the fuck is everyone getting this information from? Cause it wasn't in any of the Kyoshi <laughs> books. And when she finally mentioned, I'm like, Oh, so it's from this fucking computer game that everyone gets this from. Like, so I've seen that mentioned in a couple Avatar circles on Facebook in particular. And so I was like, where the heck, not Avatar Wiki, and like, where does this come from? And now I have my answers, and that's fine. I'm great. I'm 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 glad that I had those answers. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we if we knew the name of Kirk's wife. I feel like we, uh, Avatar we Wiki. Learned... Avatar Wiki had it on there. So no, I mean like oh. I I know we learned it from from this like escape from the spirit world thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I I want to say the Daily thing was mentioned in the actual show, but I can't. A Kyoshi remember. Was? I don't think I don't yeah. think it was. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think they mentioned that Kyoshi. Maybe I'm thinking of Korra. I don't. I don't think I don't know. I don't think Kyoshi has been. I think that's the only time Kyoshi has been mentioned in being involved with the Daily's creation. So. I think I'm pretty confident that that's the only time it's been mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a quick look at Avatar Waking and it doesn't look like we find out in the actual show. Mm -hmm. If we do, someone let us know. But yeah, um, please correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, I did have to see, so usually when I do like recaps and stuff, I have like my notes open, like the show notes open in one tab and the episode open in the other. And so mm -hmm. I, since there's no like there's no spoken dialogue, you have to read the dialogue. I straight up had to stop. I guess straight up like sometimes I like, oh, I have to pay attention to the screen, what they're saying, because I can't hear. Yeah. What they're saying. yeah. Yeah. So that was that was. But yeah, I, th it was cool. I thought it was interesting. I thought it could have been like an actual episode if they actually wanted it to be mm -hmm. um, like an actual like animated bonus episode. They didn't have to put it like, you know, in the actual show, like maybe kind of like a bonus episode on the DVD. Yeah. Um. Which I think this thing, this was available on the DVD, just obviously as it is, not as animated. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If, uh, obviously, we learned a little bit more about the past avatars. Um, interesting to learn a little bit more about Roku, apart from what we learned in the Avatar and the Fire Lord episode. Um, but yeah, if you just want to, you know, go and uh, just look up Avatar the Last Episode, Lost Episode, not the last episode on YouTube. Um, it's right there and it's 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 interesting to check out. I would check it out if you haven't already. Ooh. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned before, they say at the end that Aang won't isn't going to remember any of this any of these interactions. So convenient. Um, <laughs> convenient, yeah. And <laughs> which leads us right into the first episode of season three of Avatar The Last Airbender. This is the last episode one of an Avatar season that we will be discussing. So big episode. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
So, we open on Aang, who is waking up from a coma of sorts after the events in the Crystal Caverns of Ba Sing Se. As he becomes aware of his surroundings, he notices that he is on a Fire Nation ship and immediately tries to escape. He makes it to the upper deck, where he's reunited with his friends, as well as Bata, Hakoda, Pipsqueak, and the Duke. Overwhelmed and confused, Aang passes out once again. So, let me just take you back into the mind of, of however old I was when <laughs> Season 3 yeah, came out. you thought he was dead. <laughs> I thought that was the yeah. I thought season two was the end of Avatar. I thought that was it. Um, and then I see this commercial on TV saying that season three is about to air, and I'm like, what? And I think I came up with like this notion that like uh, Nickelodeon found out like how mad everyone was and decided to make a third up. It was completely not true. <laughs> like they always meant to do the third season. Um, but again, back then, there wasn't a whole lot of places to get that kind of information. Like, we didn't have... I, I wasn't on Twitter back then, I'll just say that. Exactly. <laughs> I, I also remember, like, the first still of the episode, like, where you see Aang with his hair. I remember that being such a huge deal. I don't know why. And if you go back and see people reacting to the season three trailer for the first time at, like, Comic-Con, the yells that you hear and the the gasps of astonishment when you when it cuts to Aang with hair I just think is so funny it's like one of those fandom things that it's like we don't really know why we're so shocked by it we just are I just I, I just, just so funny <laughs> um we fade over to a grander Fire Nation ship where Zuko stares at the moon. May approaches him and Zuko tells her about his conflicted feelings about returning back to the Fire Nation and whether or not he'll be accepted by his father. And I just wanted to point out that this whole scene is underscored by the Sungi horn, which is a musical instrument that usually represents Iroh. Mm, so he's I, so he's he has conflicted feelings about returning home and whether he knows it or not, he's conflicted probably because about how he betrayed Uncle Iroh which I think is really interesting. Um, back on the Fire Nation ship, Aang comes to, comes to and tries to get a grip on his surroundings while Katara tells him to take it easy and compliments him on his hair. Uh, Hakoda introduces himself to Aang, and this makes Katara visibly annoyed. When Aang asks if she's mad at her dad, she's like, no, what are you talking about? Um, and Aang groans in pain, and Katara says that it's time for a healing session. So as she's healing him, Aang slowly begins to remember the battle in Bossing Say. And says that he feels like he's failed everyone. He also realizes that he wasn't just wounded. And that Katara saved his life. Um, so yeah. A lot of things happening there. I This whole thing with Katara and her dad. I would I cannot wait to talk about by, by the time we get to the end of the recap. Because I think it's really interesting. I was going to say. like She's kind of putting my. It's like I'm not sure if they explored this in the uh, comics or not. But I think I remember reading somewhere about. like I mean again. You could tell it's been weeks. Katara said it's been weeks since what happened in Boston. Say he's got hair now. Um, but like, I'm just trying to imagine what it was, what it was like for Katara trying to like, after like this, the spirit water brought him back to life, but like, he wasn't, he was out for weeks. Like, I can't even imagine the kind of like, how she felt, obviously it's her friend and someone she cares very, very, very much about, uh, and like kind of it all being almost all being on her to keep him, not just her friend, but a very, very, very important person in the world alive. Like, right. I, I'm just trying to like, just kind of imagining that kind of like what those weeks were like for her. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally the fate of the world was like redeemed by Katara. Like she was the one that essentially ends up saving the world. You could say, yeah. um, cause without her, like who knows what would have happened? Like that's a what if exactly. episode right there. Oh um, man. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, a lot of interesting things happening here. I also think it's interesting just from like a cartoon perspective how they decided to give Aang hair because, you know, like... It's a great way to show passage of time. Yeah, passage of time, but also that the characters are like human and they change clothes. And because like, again, normally in car, I think we talked about they this. They do at some change point. clothes in the next episode. They, yes, they do. <laughs> but in like cartoons, like in animated shows, usually like every like every episode, the character is wearing the same thing. And it's like they've got it's because like it's their cohesive like look and everything. And that is true to some extent with Avatar, especially the first two seasons. Um, but the 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 attention they gave, like they could have easily just not have animated the hair on Aang, but they did because you know that's just the the realism that they wanted to input into the show. So I think that's a really cool thing that they decided to do. So in the Fire Nation, Lee and Lo announced the fall of Bossing Se as well as the Avatar. The scene is interspersed with Dai Li agents bringing down the outer wall and Fire Nation troops marching through and arriving at the Earth King's royal palace. Both Azula and Zuko are introduced to the audience and they are met with applause and cheers. So this is a great tone setter for the the beginning of the season. Um, Literally, the Fire Nation is on the brink of victory and things are not they're not looking great. Also, like I I couldn't see that they were talking to a crowd at first. So I'm like, are they just yelling to no one? I figured there was a crowd, but I'm just like, we're just going to brag about our victory one more time and just yell to the air. Yeah, like that's funny. so. Yeah, excuse my dumb ass for a second. (laughs) So, cut to later on, Azula approaches Zuko feeding the turtle ducks in the pond and asks him why he looks so depressed. Zuko details. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but the ducks remember. The ducks remember, like, it's like, if you remember from the flashback from Zuko alone, where she's like, hey, do you want to see how Azula feeds the ducks? And he chucks the bread at them, like a big chunk of bread at them. yeah. As soon as she shows up, the ducks just scatter. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's pretty cool. Just had to point that out real quick. Um, Zuko tells her that he doesn't want to see his father because he hasn't captured the Avatar. And Azula says that he doesn't, it doesn't matter because uh, unless there was some way the Avatar could still be alive, then he shouldn't have anything to worry about. And in his mind's eye, Zuko flashes back to Katara and the spirit oasis healing water that she showed him. But he shakes it off, saying that there was no way he could have survived. Dot, dot, Uh dot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She picks up on this. She definitely picked up on the hesitation and yeah. used that to her advantage. Scary, skilled. Huh. Yes, absolutely. I'll talk about that more later. So back with the gang, Katara and Aang join everyone else and Sokka fills in the gaps for us. After the fall of Bossing Se, the gang retreated to Chameleon Bay where they found Hakoda's fleet and parted ways with the Earth King and Bosco. uh, Sokka goes on to say that even though they won't have the support of the Earth King's army, they still plan to invade the Fire Nation on the Day of Black Sun with a small team of fighters they met along the way. They also have a distinct advantage in in that the whole world thinks that Aang is dead. And isn't that great? (laughs) Um, No, Aang does not take this well because he sees this as abandoning the world again. This is essentially like the second time the Avatar has died and has abandoned quote-unquote, abandon the world again. What do you think of Aang's reaction to this? It's It makes sense. It makes sense for him, especially because he still grapples with the guilt. Uh, you know, he still has that guilt left over a little bit from, you know, from him running away hundreds of years ago, you know, a hundred years ago. Um, but I also really wanted to comment real quick on, like, seeing the invasion of the Fire Nation on the ground level, because we see the couple that they helped through the Serpent's Pass and their baby Hope. You see them as the Fire Nation rolls in, you see them like heartbroken about this Mm -hmm. because 
all of these refugees that came from to Boston say came to escape, to escape the, the Fire Nation are now like and then yeah and then they're now here. So you kind of also see at the ground level what Aang being quote unquote dead means for people on the ground level, those who aren't involved with saving the worlds, the everyday person. Right. So I'm glad that they showed that through that flashing back to those to the people that the Avatar helped, you know? Mm-hmm. But to Sakura's so, credit, it is a pretty good advantage. Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree. Yeah, it is a pretty good advantage um, in terms of the I invasion. Do, I do see Aang's point of view here on this. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, especially after seeing the reactions of people seeing that the Fire Nation was rolling in. You know? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, later on, they eventually run into a real Fire Nation ship and Aang, eager to fight, proclaims that the Avatar is back, except for not really because he's still injured and he's hidden away as a trio of Fire Nation soldiers board their stolen ship. The captain asks them why they've gone off course and Hakoda and Bato try to convince them that they had orders to do so. One of the soldiers tells the captain that he believes that it's a stolen ship and Toph, who overhears this, attacks them and throws them overboard. Um, this is really cool because we um, we saw it a little bit in the end of season two, but seeing Toph use metal bending in a fight for the first time is pretty cool. Um, and Katara and Toph really take on the brunt of this attack. Katara does some really powerful water bending shit going on in here. Um, and it's just a great fight overall. Um, all the while, Sokka and Aang are hiding just a few, a few feet away, and Aang is frustrated at, that he's not able to do anything. Um, and that... They, he, Asaka is just like they cannot see that you're still alive like we're still technically undercover um, and out of sheer bad luck the serpent of the serpent's pass appears uh, to Sokka's dismay <laughs> it's got the best of my favorite Sokka like moments of the series just like oh this couldn't get much worse and then like the serpent shows up it's like the universe just loves proving me wrong doesn't it and then yeah. Sop's like you make it too easy yeah exactly but the serpent is struck by a stray fireball and they get the chance to escape as the enraged serpent attacks the fire edition ship. And, and then Sokka s- says, thank the you, universe. universe. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I forgot that he said that, which just makes the joke even better. Yeah. So as they dock the stolen ship at a port, Aang confesses to Katara that he feels ashamed that everyone thinks he is dead and that he failed to stop the infiltration at Bossing Say. After giving into a burst of rage, he asks Katara to leave him alone, and she asks him if he needs anything, and Aang replies that he needs to redeem himself and that he needs his honor back. And mm. then in a brilliant, brilliant display of symbolism, we fade between Aang and Zuko's face as he says this. And not only the fact that it fades back to Zuko, but fading back to Zuko as he's entering the Fire Lord throne room, and also the person who took away his honor as he sees it. Um, And as the scene progresses, the shadow of Ozai is demystified as Ozai's face is finally revealed for the first time. And all we see is a completely normal looking man who says the chilling words, welcome home. Hmm. And this only was, Mark Hamill can make that into something that's as scary as it is. Exactly. The subtext is off the chain. I still can't believe that's Mark Hamill. I mean, he's like a voice acting chameleon for those like you might just yeah. know him as Luke Skywalker. He's also the Joker. He's that other voice acting work. He's just a voice actor chameleon. It's just. Yeah. Wow. It's sorry. Had to gush real quick. <laughs> it's so good. His delivery on that welcome home is it's it's really is chilling. And it's they really do trick us because the way they at least animate the first time we see Ozai. He looks extremely harmless. Like he looks like looks a like normal a man, you know, like you almost, yeah, just a dude. Like you almost forget <laughs> like the terrible like person that he actually is. 
Um, yeah. it's just it's just brilliant, you know. Um, and I don't know what it is about us not seeing a character's face that makes us more intrigued because maybe we're I think it's because we're looking for a monster. We're looking for a monster, but a character that doesn't have a face, it's hard to have to sympathize because there's like no humanity, you feel like. And mm. with Ozai, I mean, you don't really feel the humanity in him still. And I think that's what makes him interesting. Like, just because we still we know what his face looks like doesn't make him any less palatable or any more palatable. Um, so, yeah, it's just a whole lot of layers there. It's going on. It's really interesting. Um, and he tells Zuko that he is proud of his accomplishments, especially proud that he was the one who slayed the Avatar. Zuko was like, huh? And he asks what Ozai heard. And Ozai says that Azula told him everything and of how impressed she was with his power and ferocity in the moment of truth. And I just think it was, I only noticed this like as I was writing that because it was like, Azula is essentially complimenting herself <laughs> for being like yep. how impressed she was with her own like ferocity and power. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, always I should have seen right then and there, Azula complimenting Zuko. I, mm-hmm. you know, it, it should have been like here. a red flag right there. Uh, um, I think he's just, yeah, I think he overestimates, like, his, I, I guess kind of overestimates his daughter, like, or underestimates his daughter, like, having her own motivations, you know? I, yeah, I think so, too. And it got me wondering, do you, I have this crackpot theory that Ozai doesn't believe that Zuko killed the Avatar and that he still does not see Zuko as redeemable because it reminds him of Ursa and he's leading on Zuko to think that he he has his honor back because he slayed the Avatar only so that if the Avatar does come back, he has a reason to shame him once again. That's my crackpot theory. I don't think he would just shame him. I think... Yeah, that's my that's my crackpot theory. Um, I don't think it's that far off, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's the man who, who you know, and I'm saying how much he had, uh, he trained at the very least Azula, <laughs> which I mean, how much all, raising he actually did. For all her. we know, uh, like Azula and Ozai could have plotted together to be like, yeah, let's say that Zuko was the one that killed him. Because like, if, again, like if Aang does turn up, it doesn't make just Zuko look bad. It makes the entire Fire Nation look bad. So they're they're yeah. making Zuko a potential scapegoat if the Avatar it, has in fact an, survived. He's an, he's an easy scapegoat too. Yeah, exactly. Because they but also the he's fact been that like, exiled, like he's been dishonored, like of course you know. And also seeing like I mean Azula, like you see her watching Zuko's reaction when she says, "Well, like oh, unless there's a reason to think that he might be alive." Yeah, you know, and just seeing his reaction and immediately like, "Oh, I'm going to go tell Dad now." Like essentially, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what she did. Yeah, she's absolutely. Like, oh, he hesitated. There's a chance the Avatar might be alive. Let's just put this on him. Mm-hmm. So after on, uh, Zuko enters Azula's bedchamber, asking her why she lied to Ozai about who really killed the Avatar. She replies that he seems so worried about how Ozai would treat him that it wouldn't hurt to give him the credit for killing him. Zuko calls her out, saying that she has to have another motive, and Azula only says that she would only have an ulterior motive if the Avatar was actually still alive, and how much shame that would bring on Zuko. But like he said, it's impossible that the Avatar survived, so there's nothing to worry about. This is some mm. Game of Thrones level fucking betrayal. 3dchess.org.edu.com. This <laughs> is like insane. It's insane. There's just so much. There's just so much. It's I. It's 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 just brilliant. <laughs> as much oh, as God. As much yes. as we hate it, 
it's brilliant what Azula Absolutely. is doing. And maybe I am, I think I am going to go back because I, I don't think Ozai is capable of this level of manipulation. I think Azula herself no. is just, I don't, is just, and the whole scene is underscored with like her like creepy like bell music. And it's yeah, just, I was going to, I was going to count the ad that on the bell counter, but it's not quite the full, it's not the bell. Yeah, but it does yeah. sound like it yeah. underneath. So I was gonna it's a bunch that. of bells, but it's it's not the one bell. It's not the. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the one. <laughs> because it just underscores that Azula is completely in control of the situation, and it's oh, it's just so good. The music in this episode is is doing a lot of the really cool, most. interesting things. Um, but yeah, so more to come with that. Back to Aang, he's decided to flee the ship in hopes of infiltrating the Fire Nation on his own. It isn't long before he's caught in a storm, much like the one he was caught in after he fled the air temples. And he finds a piece of driftwood and uses his glider to turn it into a sail surfer to cover more ground. Um, so back on the ship, Katara finds Aang's room empty. She runs to her father, telling him in tears that Aang has run away to fight alone, saying that it is selfish and wonders why he thinks he's the only one who can save the world and leaves them behind in the process. Hakoda soon realizes that she may be talking about him as well, and Katara begins to open up to her father about the entire situation of the war and how she has missed him. He comforts her, telling her that he had missed her and Sokka every day since he left, and not a day went by that he did not think of them. Okay, so a lot of interesting emotional stuff going on here. This is, again, why I think that Avatar, in a lot of ways takes unconventional storytelling choices and makes them and turns them into like realistic character beats because it would have been completely easy enough to for Katara to react the same way that Sokka did when he was reunited with his father but Katara in many aspects was the one that kept her and Sokka together you know and that responsibility was shifted onto her like she did become like the maternal figure um in that triad of people in that family um and she says like you know i know we had grand grand but it like wasn't the same like there was so much pressure on us and i just think it's it was interesting for her to for them to write in that conflict between katara and hakoda i think it was really interesting and very realistic realistic. yeah absolutely um i forgot that was a like a character moment um until i rewatched the episode but like that's like I mean I'm not saying that my you know my relationship with my parents is exactly the same as like you know Katara and Sokka but I could see like a similar I've had a similar conversation with like a parent before about you know dealing with kind of like that kind of pressure that was put on the kid that should not have been put on the kid so I related a lot to her in that moment so yeah absolutely like I said realistic good writing good character development (laughs) So Aang eventually gets thrown off by the storm, losing his glider in the process. In his lowest moment, the spirit of Avatar Roku appears before him, saying that he hasn't failed and that if anyone is to blame for the current state of things, it's him. That he should have seen the war and prevented it. He encourages (laughs) encourages Aang not to give up as the spirit of Yue appears to him in the moonlit sky, offering her own encouragement as well. The Aww. Avatar theme swells as Aang regains control and rides a massive wave, a massive tidal wave to the shore of Crescent Island where Roku's fire temple once stood. And there's oh, also I didn't this. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was also this great moment, little moment where Yue herself, like, kind of, like, helps along the tidal wave. Yeah. Um, I love that part. That was, that was really cool. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I love it anytime we get a a good little bit of the Avatar theme, especially when something really epic is happening. Um, but yeah, the rest of Team Avatar finds him and assures Aang that they will travel with him as they still need to continue his earthbending training. Toph finds his broken glider floating in the water and returns it to him, and Aang decides that if he is to maintain the element of surprise, the world will have to think he is dead for the time being. He impels the glider into the molten rock, leaving it to burn in flames. And that's a very striking image to end the episode yeah. on. Um, that's, the, that's the original glider that he had. That's like, you know, besides Appa and Momo, like, that's kind of the last he has, his physical ties he has to his culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that the moment cannot be understated how important that is. And I'm sure hard it was for for Aang to do that. Um, yeah. but he I, I forgot that that happened. Like kind of like broke my heart seeing the glider in pieces like that because it plays such an important role, not just as like a symbol of his culture, but just help get him out of a lot of scrapes. Yeah, definitely. Know? Um, but yeah, I mean it but it is like a culmination of this little arc Aang has in this episode that he he's not a failure and that if he is to save the world that he has to make the sacrifice of of because it it is like at the end of the day it is sort of like a selfish guilt right he doesn't want to have the guilt and he wants everyone to know that he's still alive but that's not what the situation needs right Calls now for. like yeah. this is a very mature decision on his part you know so yeah, this decision cannot be understated enough. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, that's the first episode of season three. We will be back with 302 The Headband, aka the Footless episode, right after this break. <laughs> hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. And we're back with the next part of our recap, 302 The Headband, a.k.a. The Footloose episode, which I forgot that was the actual title of the episode, so it's, oh, it's, just, it's just the Footloose episode. For fans of the show, they'll know exactly what episode we're talking about when we say Footloose, because it kind of is. All right, so the episode opens with Zuko having a restless night of sleep. He then makes his way to a Fire Nation prison where a guard asks him who he is. Instead of answering, Zuko leaves. But we know Meanwhile, why he's there because of the music. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the gang is traveling through the Fire Nation using waterbending and airbending to hide Appa in a cloud. After dealing with some enemy birds, they take, the, <laughs> they take Fire Nation clothes off of a clothesline to blend in with the local villagers. Do you know what I loved they, about that little scene? Is that yeah. Aang was like, I don't know, these are people's clothes. And then Katara's like, I, I call this one because you think Katara <laughs> would have like the moral kind of like, I don't know if we should steal people's clothes. But Katara's like, no, I'm let's, nah, let's never do mind. This. I want this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so yeah, they still close off a clothesline to blend in with the local villagers, uh, instead of hiding out like cave people like Sokka originally wanted them to do. <laughs> So they wander through the village marketplace and go shopping. Katara has to hide her necklace because that's very obviously Water Tribe. They all get kind of replacements for their, like, some of the stuff that they wear. So, like, Toph has a new, like, headpiece thing. Katara has a new necklace. And I think Sokka gets, like, a little pin thing for his little wolf tail thing, he calls the little ponytail he's got on yeah. top. <laughs> um. And Aang, meanwhile, just tries to show off his knowledge of the Fire Nation because he was here 100 years ago and proceeds to use some old 
Fire Nation slang, like, flame yo, hot man, and, like, <laughs> calling everyone hot man. Like, oh, my God, I cringe so hard. Some of these moments just make me, like, want to, you know, it's like that Squidward thing from, like, you know, like, that TikTok sounds, like, from Spongebob, where it's like, oh, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like you hear Squidward slamming yeah. his head to the <laughs> Yes. That's what I was dealing with. <laughs> uh, Aang ends up wandering off on his own after the the rest of the gang goes and buys some meat because he doesn't want, you know, he's a vegetarian, in case y'all forgot. And he ends up getting dragged to school by some local guards, thinking that he's just some kid playing hooky. Uh, when he arrives in the classroom, the teacher basically assumes that he's from the colonies based on his poor manners. He learns how to bow properly. And he ends up like just kind of rolling with this and uses his old Fire Nation friend's name, Kuzan, for his identity. Um, after a wonderful day of school, uh, one of his classmates, on is it Anji, right? Yep, Anji. Okay. All right. So one of his classmates, Anji, notices that he's been hiding Momo, or a monkey, as she thinks that he is, in his jacket. But thankfully, she isn't a tattletale. And the two strike up a little conversation. Anji's boyfriend, Hide, comes up and basically pulls the 80s bully stereotype <laughs> and just says, all right, jerk. Uh, Aang then gets invited into playing a game of hide and explode with the rest of the kids. They're like, wow, he didn't even beat you up. I am impressed by this. Want to go play games with us? Like, <laughs> I love that. Um, he then returns back to the cave covered in soot and the gang's worried sick about the him. But he's like, no, I went to school. School was great. Uh, Sokka has a mini conniption. Oh, my face hurts from smiling. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts. I hate it. Um, Sokka has a mini conniption about the situation, uh, but Aang points out that they could learn valuable information about the Fire Nation if he continues to go. Just saying. I do like um, secret rivers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which that convinces Sokka enough to continue going to school. Uh, back to Zuko, who is visiting the prison. He then threatens the guard that asked him who he was earlier before entering and arrives at Iroh's cell. He then essentially just gets pissed to him and starts blaming the situation that hit blaming Iroh for the situation that they're both in. But Iroh says nothing during their encounter. He doesn't even look at him and just pisses Zuko off even further. He then yells at Iroh before leaving. And this is not the last time we see this framing device of Zuko looking like he's the one behind bars and not mm-hmm. Iroh. Yes. So put a pin in that. We'll talk about that. Uh, back at the school, the, the kids start their day by turning to the Fire Lord's portrait and reciting the Oath of the Nation, which makes me think of the Pledge of Allegiance in, the, in school in the U.S. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that one bit. <laughs> I don't like it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's. We're going to talk about this more eventually. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to put a pin in that. Definitely put a pin in that. Uh, Aang struggles to keep up, and the teacher then throws a pop quiz at them. I, she then. Th- I'm hmm. sorry. This gets me so annoyed every time. If you're incognito and you do not know something, just move your lips and do. Hey, what are you doing? Fire what are Lord, you doing, kid? Fire, blah, fire blah, blah, blah. I was like, fire bending. <laughs> like, blow your cup. Jesus Christ. Just don't say anything, especially, especially if no one can see your mouth. Exactly. Oh, because oh, you do better with incognito stuff. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Uh, uh, so then the teacher asks one of the one of the questions for the pop quiz was, "What year did Fire Lord Sozin battle the Air Nation army?" And Ang tries to argue with her about the truth, which is that there was no army and that there was yeah. to be a them in an ambush. But as the saying goes, history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Which again, we will probably discuss again further in an upcoming topic episode. Yeah, she says, oh, so you seem to know much better than our national history textbook. And I'm and, like, um, mm, I don't like this either. <laughs> it's just hitting a little too close to home. Hitting yeah. a little too close to home. Meanwhile, in music class, Aang struggles to play the Sungi horn and gets in trouble, not for playing terribly, but for dancing while, while doing his thing. Uh, and he said, the teacher says, you know what? If you really feel like dancing, just march in place instead. Sometimes just so filled with love for our nation that you just got to move, just fucking march in place. That probably made me want to barf. Um, Anyway, uh, Anji tells him later that he likes his dancing and oh, oh, oh gets, sorry. Well, should I miss a part? No, no, no. There was, there was one thing that I, I meant to bring up. Um, yeah, go for it. So, I, yeah, as the scene transitions out, the music that they're playing is actually like a, like a school band version of the Fire Nation theme. The no one that goes, way. Da, 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 da. And, and, I, and I just wanted to, to point it out because this is an example of diegetic music, which is music that is actually happening in the scene. But I think it's interesting that they're playing like the Fire Nation theme that we're used to hearing as if like the Fire Nation came up with their own theme. <laughs> and like it's actually playing as they like, you know, invade and colonize people. But um, kind of like how they kind of like how the in solo they use the Imperial March as part of the uh, propaganda. Yes. Yes. Exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, like, are we the bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, after the music lesson, Anji tells Aang that he likes his dancing and her boyfriend or kind of, I don't know, says he, get, he gets pissed at him uh, when he offers to show her how to dance. He then tries to beat Aang up and he just evades his movements, making him look foolish. Uh, and he gets he gets blamed for the fight, and the headmaster tells him to bring his parents to the office. This is the best part of the episode. I love this. <laughs> we then meet Mr. and Mrs. Fire. <laughs> I just love the way that the headmaster just says, like, Mr. and Mrs. Fire. Fire. Uh, Wang fire. Wang and, this and is my Sapphire. Wife, Sapphire. Wang and Sapphire fire. <laughs> These kids are so bad at incognito. I love it though. <laughs> Especially like Tara just rolling with the punches on this. Yeah. She's like, like she is Sapphire she Fire. Has, How do you she do? has clearly been she has clearly been to improv classes because she literally pulled the yes and yes, like, yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Sinisovsky, some yes and improv. I love it. Oh my god. Wang fire then proceeds to promise the punishment of a lifetime to Kuzan and the conference ends. <laughs> it's so it's funny. Like the voice that Sokka puts on for it. Oh, it makes me laugh every time. Oh my god. And actually, Wangfire comes up again a few times, not just in the series, but also in the comics. Uh, apparently, oh, really? I've That's heard. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, the conference ends and we cut to Zuko and Nei having a romantic emo teenager moment where they talk about how much they hate things like the color orange and they smooch. Their romantic moment is interrupted by Azula who sends Mei off to go fix, help Tylee with her hair or something. Yeah. Uh, through her little chat with Zuko, she managed to wheedle out of him the fact that he's been visiting Iroh. Yeah. She then warns him against visiting traitors. Well, against her wishes, Zuko then goes to visit Iroh and brings food this time. Uh, he then he admits to him, his uncle, that he has everything he's ever wanted, but it's not the way he thought it would be. He then asks for his uncle's advice because he thinks that the Avatar is still alive. Iroh says nothing. 
And Zuko just gets pissed again and tells him he can rot here as far as he cares. And he walks away. Yeah, this really, is this is like this hurts. This hurts, <laughs> but it's it's interesting because this is like really the final stage of his redemption. And it's yeah. getting it's like he said, getting what he wants, but it not Realizing turning out what actually. he what he wants it to be. Exactly. So yeah, the this first half of season three is really interesting to see how Zuko like comes to terms with the fact that what he where he is and what he has right now is not what he needs. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we yeah we really are in the final stage of of Zuko's redemption at this point, which we're going to talk more about in a future episode. Don't worry about that. We we, we will get there. We will get yeah. there. Um, and you see Iroh like a tear roll down Iroh's cheek. Like this is uh, this is like the first time he hasn't talked in an episode that he's been in. Mm. Um, it's it's just like it's it's worse. It's like you know when your parents like I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, and that's what's happening here. It's yeah, exactly. the worst. But honestly, Zuko did kind of need that um anyway back to the cave uh Sokka still has the beard on tells him to not go back to school uh Aang points out these kids of the future of the fire nation who are being spoon-fed propaganda and they should do something for the kids at school in order to have them you know give them a little bit of freedom of expression even just for you know a few hours yeah they then plan a secret footloose dance party and Wangfire then tells him to go to his room. <laughs> I just love how he just puts the voice back on, go to your room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, underrated funny moment there. Um, the gang then gets ready for the party in the cave. And as the kids start to pour in and the band kids start playing again, but now the kids are scared to dance. Uh, so Aang shows them how to. And eventually, as they kind of move along, the kids start freestyling. And this part brought a little smile to my face. Seeing, go, seeing them go from like, you know, nervous and being scared they'll get in trouble for dancing mm-hmm. to like just letting loose no matter how silly they look. It was so cute. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and Aang brings Katara to the dance floor and they have a really awesome dance together. Like they implement like some of their bending, you know, moves into it. And like, oh, it's just so cool. It's really Which cool. Is something I didn't notice that the first time I watched this episode that they actually incorporated bending, like fighting moves in with their dancing. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it kind of it like, reminds me of like the the dragon dance in later yeah, on in the season. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And I mean, also like dance, like fighting, ha- like there's like, I mean, like there's uh, like, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu inspired is what eventually became break dancing. So yeah, yeah. Fighting and dancing, there are some links there there is so definitely some overlap so yeah really cool sweet moment between Aang and Katara with their dance together and Aang is smooth as hell with that I love it uh and of course there's a snitch and the headmaster and the guards all show up they then try to find Aang in the crowd after he disappears into it but it appears that he has started a trend of headband wearing amongst his classmates and they all essentially pull an I'm Spartacus moment <laughs> which makes him difficult to find. Uh, through this distraction, the gang manages to slip away on Appa through the back of the cave. And as they take off, Toph tells Aang that he might have actually made a difference with those kiddos. Yeah. Uh, Katara then compliments the dance party and kisses him on the cheek. Ah, so cute. Uh, back to Zuko, with like, all the, the warm feelings are all dashed away as Zuko goes up to this mysterious figure. And ends up and sends him off to go find Aang. Tells him that A, that Aang's alive. And B, go find him and him. Uh, and we find out that it's Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Combustion Man. The bo- yep. you know, the combustion bender. Ah! I forgot. Like, 
the, and that's how the episode ends. Um, that's it. Yep. That's we meet Sparky Sparky Boom Man. That's it. Uh, I forgot how important this episode actually is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's for the characters. Important. Like, I mean, some people might kind of brush it off as a filler episode. I thought of it as a very, very good quote unquote filler episode. But even the filler episodes within Avatar are also important for character development and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I. But I, like, I, I, there are like filler elements for sure. But I mean, like the. The, just the beat of them assimilating into Fire Nation society is is a pretty big movement in the plot, you know. And it also, um, I think what this episode is really good at doing is challenging the viewer into how they feel about the Fire Nation and realizing that not everyone in the Fire Nation is like a genocidal maniac. And it's been spoon fed propaganda. From yeah, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's the result of spoon feeding propaganda to these impressionable kids and like this like huge focus on strict discipline and yeah it just makes you and it does this a couple of times this season but it makes you like question like you know just how much of the fire nation is truly the bad guy you know exactly um i also wanted to point one more thing before we move on to our bell counter uh like there's like a there's a joke on tiktok about like the citizens of Bossing say that those who went to the Jasmine Dragon tea shop reacting to seeing that Lee is the Fire Lord now. Uh, forget that. I want to see what the kids' reaction who went to school with Kuzan re- realizing that he's the Avatar. <laughs> like, I want to see that, too. <laughs> so I want to make a TikTok of that. I thought about that as well. Yeah. Let's move on to our bell counter. What do we have for this episode? Yes, yeah, so we are back to the Azula bell counter. Each episode got just one uh, Azula bell. Uh, that brings our total from season two up to 39. And now it's time to make our predictions. So in total, so I want to be really clear because I think I did not. That word was not this, clear. I did not word this clearly last season. So I want to <laughs> word this a lot better. In total, by the end of the show, where do we think the final bell counter will be at? So not how many bells are just in the season. Where do we predict the that the final series. bell counter will be at? Um, I put down 55. Okay. I am going to say... Um, I'm going to put 71. Ooh, okay. That's my guess. I'm going to go with All 71. All right, well, we'll find out. We'll find yeah. out. You were the closest. You were you were like two off Um, in the last last mm-hmm. season. But yeah, so that's, that's where we're at right now. So it's uh, right now it's at 39. Taylor predicts 55 in total. I'm going to predict 71 in total. And with that, it brings us to our fandom corner for the week, which is about Zuko, uh, which did kind of briefly touch on how powerful Toph and Katara's bending skills have gotten. So it kind of ties in nicely with this fandom corner this week. This comes from Tumblr, like most of our posts do. Uh, This is from the username Luke Skywalker is a gay icon, and I agree. Work. Zuko was having a crisis for three weeks after joining the gang because he realizes A, Katara, Aang, and Sokka could have and would have easily murdered him had they been about 5% more emotionally unstable, and B, he had stopped actively trying to capture the Avatar right before the person who had no such qualms about murder, Toph, joined their team. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Absolutely. So, I figured this kind of fits with seeing how powerful, like, he's, you know, the you know members of team avatar have become so yeah that's really funny (laughs) oh my goodness that was fandom corner all right 
This week's recommendations, uh, Kayla, what do you got? Just, at this point, I just recommended naps. Like, take a nap, y'all. Like, life is exhausting and sometimes it's just great to just shut your mind off for a few minutes. Like, I have straight up taken like tiny power naps in my office at work. Thankfully, hopefully, no one from my work follows me. But it's like five minutes. Literally, I just close my office door and I have my, I close my eyes for like five minutes in my office chair and just zone out for five minutes and then I'm back and I feel a little better so that. that works and I've just been taking more naps during the day when I get home from work and it's helped so awesome. naps are good that's that's my recommendation <laughs> awesome my recommendation because we are in full full October Halloween mode um, if you're looking for good affordable Halloween decorations go to Target a lot of their stuff is like five ten dollars um, you can get like pumpkins. You can get um, this like these really cool like candelabras. Get some like potion cauldrons. They're really really cool. Also, they have some pretty well uh, well affordable like inflatables for your yard if you're looking for stuff like that. Um, but yeah, every Target should have their own Halloween section now, like at the back of the store. Um, and usually Target is is like a little a little expensive in terms of some things, but. Their Halloween stuff is pretty affordable. So if you're looking for some things to spice up either your yard or your room to make it very spooky, I would head over to Target and see what they got. Well, that rounds out our recommendations for the week. Uh, and as always, if you'd like some extra Avatar Hour in your life, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast for as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month. You get some benefits, including access to our show notes, ad-free Avatar Hour, and of course, our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. And of course, you can follow us on social media at uh, Avatar Hour on Twitter and at the Avatar Hour podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to send in some fandom corner stuff, you can DM us on those pages as well. Absolutely. And if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, feel free to record your theories or any feedback about the show on the Voice Memo app on your phone and email them over to the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.